With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Variety and iHeart podcast, The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Today's first guest is Caitlin Deaver. The actress opens up about starring in Unbelievable, the Netflix series based on the true story of a high schooler who is charged with lying to police about being raped. She was later exonerated when two detectives discovered she had been telling the truth. Then later, Rami Youssef, the funny man star of the Hulu series Rami. He talks season two's Oscar-winning guest star and what it was like hearing his name called by Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston when he won a Golden Globe earlier this year. I'll have Diva and Yusuf coming up after the break. Stick around. I do want to note that both of these conversations took place before tensions erupted over the killing of George Floyd. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Caitlin Deaver is only 23 years old, but she's been a working actress for more than a decade, and the last year has been somewhat of a breakout for her. All predictions point to her receiving her first Emmy nomination for Unbelievable. Deaver stars in the Netflix series as Marie, a real-life high schooler who is charged with lying about being raped before being exonerated after two detectives, played by Tony Collette and Merrick Weaver, discovered she was telling the truth. The series is a hard and sometimes brutally realistic portrait of a legal system that forgot to serve and protect the most vulnerable among us. I spoke to Deaver from her home in Los Angeles. So tell me about, you get the script, tell me about the first time sitting down with, you know, whether it was one episode, two episodes, how did that work and what were you feeling? Yeah, I remember I was on my last week of filming book smart with it when this came into my email inbox and what came with the email was the podcast um the article and the first episode and i remember i was listening to the podcast i think on the way to work um on book smart and then i read the episode so fast and it just blew me away i think the first thing was that uh, i thought this was like an old old story and it is a story from the past but not that long ago in the past it it's happened very um recently so that's the first thing that was super shocking to me um but i i i was just completely moved by it and thought you know, reading about Marie and her courage and her bravery. It was just the most um, incredible story I've ever written. And she's one of the most brave people I've ever read about. So all of that put together, it was just um, overwhelming to get sent something like this and for the creatives to want me to audition for it. And I went in and auditioned for it and it was the it was the hardest audition I've ever had to do. Honestly, I mean, I've I've I can count only to only two times have I had to do like a really really intense audition room scene, and it was it was for short term twelve was one of them, and then unbelievable. Those are the two hardest auditions I've ever had to do in my life, and it was really comforting to be in this audition room for unbelievable because all of the people in the room are women. I don't think that's ever happened. I mean. 
the producers and the director, they were all women. It was amazing. Um, and yeah, it was, I was just, it was lucky. I, I was just feeling really lucky to be auditioning, but then I found out very quickly that I had gotten it. And timing wise, I, I got really lucky too, because I was getting into this, I was heading into this phase of, you know, uh, actor worry. I was just worrying about my next year because I had spent so much time and I built up so much anticipation for Booksmart. Um, and I was finally, it was finally getting made and I was so happy that it was, you know, just that we were just shooting it. I was just happy about that. And then I, I got distracted in that area that I had realized like, Oh, I have no more work for, I have no more work. So, <laughs> um, and then this came along and they wanted me to be a part of it. And I, I don't even, I can't even explain my, I was just really excited. I was so excited. And I, I, had, I knew the, um, some of the producers had produced justified. So I was, I have known them since I was, they've known me since I was 12. So all of it was just the whole package was exciting. And then the fact that Tony and Merritt were a part of it, it was just all so exciting. That's pretty amazing. I mean, you went from book smart, written, directed by women, um, obviously two female leads, and then you go to unbelievable. Like you just said, the audition room, room was all women. You have Tony, you have Merritt. That's, um, you don't hear that a lot to go from one project to the next project like that. Um, how does that, is it something you're going to get used to and be like, hey, I just want women on my <laughs> project. From I want to get used to it. I want to work with as many women as possible. I, I, I think naturally women are, are just comfortable around women and um, especially doing this kind of, you know, this kind of show um, surrounded, um, I mean, based, you know, given the subject matter, I think it's really, really important that there was a lot of women involved because being a woman, unfortunately, if you have not gone through something like this, you definitely know another woman who has. And that's pretty much, I think I could say that about anyone. I think that that's like the, the unfortunate truth. So um, there was just a lot of like amazing, wonderful conversation happening and, and everyone felt very heard and there were the, the communication was really, really solid. And it was always, you know, it was, it was very, obviously it was, it was a very tough thing to do on a day-to-day -day basis making this show, but it was, it, there was always a conversation and everyone felt sort of relaxed, which I think is really important because I think sets are always, are just naturally very chaotic. And <laughs> Olivia Wilde actually refers to sets as, as construction sites. And I think that that's a very true description because there's just so much going on all the time and it's hard to stay focused and it's hard not to get like frustrated or, or, you know, frustrated about running out of time or not having, you know, having too much to do in one day. It's just a lot. And, and on this one, it was really just, uh, I felt at ease with, with, you know, I felt at ease day by day. It was really, it was really a lovely place to be. What kind of response? I mean, you have to feel such a heavy responsibility. You know, it's a true story. It's, it's a story that has to be told in a certain way where you're not, you know, uh, what's the word, you know, not taking advantage of the situation, not taking advantage of the story. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or you have to tell it, but at the same time, you know, you know, you're making a TV series. You have to still keep the audience's attention. How do you, what kind of yeah. responsibility do you feel? How do you balance that? That's such a, 
interesting thing to bring up because that was on my mind a lot um, d during the the whole prep process and even during making it, it it that was on my mind of that that exact thing of not wanting to take advantage of the fact that we're making a show for Netflix and that you 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 have the ability to sugarcoat anything you have the ability to make something seem more intense than it actually is you can do anything with anything and the i knew immediately that the creators behind the show only had respect um and passion at the core of all of it and and they wanted to be truthful with the, the the storytelling. They wanted to, you know, they 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 wanted to show something that hadn't really been shown before because people won't ever learn how how trauma affects people unless they tell it truthfully and honestly, and they don't sugarcoat that. And I remember early on, Susanna uh, Susanna Grant, our showrunner executive producer and writer and director and Lisa Cholodenko, our executive producer and director, she, both of them, uh, we had, we had this conversation about how we were shooting the assault scene. And um, we actually had several conversations about it, but there was one conversation at the, at the very beginning and they, where they explained to me that they wanted to shoot the scene from Marie's point of view. And I, I was, you know, honestly, I was, I was questioning, you know, what they were going to show and how they were going to do it. And obviously that kind of scene is a bit daunting because, you know, it just naturally is. Um, and they, they, when they said that, I, I knew, oh my God, these people really, really care about this. And they really, really want to do this right. Um, because shooting it from, Marie's point of view is just, I just think it's a brilliant idea and it's something that we have not seen before. Um, and it really allows you to, to see it from the survivor's perspective. And, and I don't think people really understand how it affects someone. I just, I just don't. So there were several things along the way that, that I think really opened the doors for you know, just I, I think it just gave people um, a bigger opportunity to learn a bit more about it. And so that's what's so great about the entire show and, and seeing the reactions has been really, really rewarding. And so, yeah, I, I, I was always keeping all of that in mind, too, just for my own prep and knowing that I was taking something on that was really 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 important and taking something on that was that, that doesn't come around that often and you know I'm playing a person that's very much alive and living in the world and this is something that is still with her and will always be with her and on a day-to-day -day basis I was just running that through my head and thinking about her and thinking about the reason why we were doing this and it's for her and for anyone else who has gone through this similar experience and um, just really keeping in mind that this story is so much bigger than me and if I was ever complaining about something or tired from crying all day I just had to remind myself that it is nothing in comparison to what she has gone through. So yeah, it was, it was tough. It was the, again, the hardest thing I've ever had to do, but I felt like I didn't, you know, again, it's just so much bigger than me. That's what I, that's how I felt. At the same time, you didn't reach out to Marie. You didn't, if I'm understanding correctly, you didn't want to meet her. You didn't want to talk to her before any of this. I did. I, you know, Again, when you're when you're given a role and and the the person you're you're playing a real person, it's obviously the first thing you think of um, is to call that person or meet that person. Um, but this was a 
different. These circumstances are a bit different. Um, and the reason why it was different was because, again, this is something that is uh, very, very hard um, to deal with. And it's something that, again, affects someone for the rest of their life. And I had a conversation, it was one of our early conversations that Susanna and Lisa and I had. And I asked them about it and we had a discussion and we ultimately decided that it, it, I had enough information about her to do what I needed to do. And I, and I had a lot of source material about her and her life and her life prior to the assault. And I only wanted to involve her as much as she wanted to be involved and I involved and I never wanted to push that boundary ever. Um, and so that was ultimately the reason why I didn't speak to her, um, was just because I wanted to respect her privacy and the show was very, very, um, that, that was something that was very important to them. And it's been very important to Netflix since the release of the show. I have heard from her though, um, since the show has released, um, uh, and it's, it was really overwhelming to hear from her and to know that she watched the show pretty quickly after it had, it had, um, I wasn't sure what she was going to, you know, I didn't know what she was going to think of it. And she, I, she emailed, uh, Ken Armstrong and Susanna came up to me. I think it was one of our press days. We were somewhere doing you know, promoting the show. And Susanna said, I, I forwarded you an email. You should take a look at it. And I read it and I started, I, I was brought to tears because she said that she watched the show and, and she thought it was incredible and that she even found a bit of closure from it, which is really, really just, I mean, what more could you ask for? So it's, uh, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's, I've been in, I've been in touch with Susanna too, since then about, um, potentially calling her at some point, but I'm only doing it, you know, when she's, when she's ready. And, um, but I've been, I've been, you know, keeping in touch with Susanna about her for sure. Yeah. Did you hear from other people? I mean, I imagine there are people, you know, you're out at the market or wherever you're at a store and someone comes up to you and says, this was my experience or you helped me find closure, you helped heal or, you know, I ended up facing something that I hadn't faced in a long time. Did you hear a lot about that? Yeah, I did. And I, I got, a, I got a lot, I got a lot of that and I got a lot of just, uh, I just, I, there was so much love just that, that, that came in for the show. There was just, Every, it was amazing to see that the love and support that was being given. Um, and I had a lot of people coming up to me um, at, at random times, I think. Yeah. Like, like you said, I would, I, I a couple of times it happened to me at, at a coffee shop and someone would either just come up to me and tell me how, how moved they were and how much they learned from the show. Or sometimes a lot of people would feel comfortable enough to share their story and, and share a similar um, experience that they had. And if it, it, it's, I feel a lot of things when that, that happens and I, it, you know, I, I love acting and it's so fun for me. But the fact that I was able to, with this show, do something that I really love and also do something good and, and you know, be a part of telling a story that was somewhat buried, I, just, I, I will forever be grateful for that. And I even had, you know, I had people, you know, reaching out to me through, through Instagram messages. And um, I, I had someone from my, from my hometown reach out to me and, and share her experience with me and um, someone that I like grew up with going to elementary school with. So it's all of, all of it is just, it's just really overwhelming. And I feel just, just, 
I don't know. I just feel incredibly honored and, and it's, it's, it just feels really good to, to know that someone was moved enough by the show to be able to share their experience and with, with me too. It just feels, it's, I don't know. It's really overwhelming. That's intense. Yeah. What does it feel like then getting nominations for awards for playing this woman who's gone through something so traumatic? Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that was going through my head constantly during all of that, because all of, all of the awards season stuff is so surreal in a way. It doesn't even seem like real life sometimes. And you know, I know I wouldn't have been any any in any of that had it not been for this show. And so it does feel it does feel a bit strange to be nominated for for retelling this 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 traumatic tragic and and horrible horrible story but this this story is also a story of hope you know i Mm. think that this story does a good job at not um vilifying anyone and i think that it's just um i don't know i think it's it's really just a celebration of of what this show did positively for the world Mm. and yes maurice went through something so tragic and and all of the other survivors that 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 are a part of this show in this story i think it's Mm. just yes they went through something so traumatic but i think that it ultimately is still a celebration of what was accomplished in in the end of this story you know there was justice. And so I think that the show being seen in that way during award season was really a lot. And the, and the amount of people that saw this, you know, I think they said like 30, 34, 35 million households watched this show, which is insane. It's insane. (laughs) So switching gears a little bit. Yeah. Let's talk about platform. And you got yeah. to work with one of my favorite, or you're going to work with one of my favorites, Lucas Hedges. I absolutely adore him. Do you know what? I haven't ever gotten to tell you this, but has anyone ever said that you look like I Lucas Hedges? You are Lucas Hedges in the future. <laughs> okay. So, especially when I buzz my hair off, my husband does yeah. it because he's a hairstylist. He's like, you're Lucas Hedges. You look like Lucas Hedges. I know. He says I've gotten this? it. Or no. My husband did, yeah. My okay, husband. Okay. Have you done? Have you <laughs> have you talked to Lucas about this? I have not seen him since my haircut. Okay, <laughs> okay. I thought you looked like him before the haircut. I just—it's all okay. in the face. I think you are literally future Lucas Hedges. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. You know what? I'm going to take it. <laughs> so, tell, what was it like working with him? He is. He is the best. He is the funniest, <laughs> weirdest, coolest, <laughs> smartest person I've ever met. He's like the he's just the best. I think working with him is is so um it's so great. It's like everything all packed into one when you're working with Lucas. Like mm. you know, we could be doing the most simple scene and he can de- dive so 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 deep into it. And and really find the true meaning behind each scene and in a way that I have never really, you know, I have never really mm, considered certain scenes the way Lucas does. I just think he thinks about acting in a different way. And it's so nice to work with those kinds of actors because it really opens your mind to, to new ways of thinking. And he is definitely one of those actors. He opened my eyes in a, a new way, which is just really, really, really cool. And um, yeah, he always is just like thinking of questions that I would never even 
think about. He's just the coolest and he's really funny. It's a, it's, he's really funny in it. I mean, it's, it's a comedy. It's a, it's a different role ask, for him. It's, a comedy? it's really cool. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's something we haven't seen him do before. It's really cool. I'm excited for people to see it. So what is the story? Are you allowed to tell me? I feel like I shouldn't, I think it should just be, I think it should just be a surprise. I think the world okay. just needs to be surprised by it. I mean, I think it's been online somewhere, but I think, I think we should just let the world see it because it's definitely, I will, I'll just say Lucas plays a pop star. <laughs> That's all I'll say. I'm going to leave that open. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah. And are you are you like a fan of the pop star? No, but <laughs> yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> and then um I know I've asked you this before and I'm gonna keep asking you. Book smart too. When are we seeing it? I'm I'm ready for it. I wanna <laughs> do it. I'm down Come for on. it. I'm down for book smarter, you know. I I would love to do Book Smarter. I would love to be doing scenes with Beanie Feldstein again. And it just that would just be a dream come true. So I mean, I'm down for it. I haven't heard anything, but just people people want it. People want that. They really do. <laughs> and I'm okay with it. <laughs> um, and then my last question, I'll let you go. Tell me about the first audition you ever went on, whether you got the part or not. Ooh, the first audition I went on was a Mattel Barbie commercial. Mm -hmm. And it was, it seemed really scary because there were so many people in this audition place. And I was like, you know, it was just being in a waiting room for the first time and, and going into a room was really crazy. And then I had a callback and my callback was a bit strange because I thought, oh, this is what callbacks must be like. And there was like a full green screen setup and like a nicer looking camera. And I thought, oh, wow, this is like, this seems like a big deal. And there's a bunch of lights and I'm actually, it looks like I'm in a soundstage, but I don't really know what a soundstage looks like. And then I did my callback audition and I left. And then a month later, I found out that I had gotten it. But I didn't actually shoot the commercial because it was pretty non-union and they used my callback audition for the commercial. And so that's why I that's why it looked so fancy with the green screen and everything was because they were basically shooting it. <laughs> but that's they used shady. my <laughs> So I never actually shot the first thing I booked because I had already shot it. And that was my first. That's, that sounds audition. really shady. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was really like an official commercial. It was probably like an online situation. I never even right. saw it. I don't even know where it went, but How I got it you? and I, it went somewhere. I was nine, I think. We yeah. need to find that. Or 10. Yeah. Need to find it. There's a lot of bad commercials. There's like a lot of commercials out there in the world. There's a Skate and Tricks puppy commercial that I did oh, once. It's what? called Skate and Tricks Puppy. You can Google that. What and is it a skate? And, what is a Skate and Tricks? It was puppy? on. It was a commercial like that aired on Nickelodeon, and it was this dog that you that was on roller skates, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> and it it rolls next to you and you can you can roll with it so that was the uh I, there's just a lot there's a lot in there there's a lot out on there on that internet that i am i'm, I'm proud of i'm proud of all that you work. should be it's, listen you are where you are today because of that work yes yes <laughs> awesome it's lovely seeing you it's um, good to see, see you. Yeah. Giving you a virtual hug, Mark. Yes, virtual hug. Hopefully I'll see you in person soon. That was Caitlin Deaver. I'm going to take a short break, but when I return, I'll be chatting with Rami Youssef. Stick around. 
I'm Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards, and it could happen here. And boy, it does seem to be happening here. I'm going to guess most of the people listening to this are deeply concerned with what they saw happen in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. And I'm here to tell you it was a fascist insurrection, an attempt by fascists to take over our democracy. And it didn't happen in a historical vacuum. There have been numerous attempts, many of them successful, by fascist movements to take over democracies over the last century. In order to protect yourself, in order to protect your family and your very freedom, you need to understand this history and the history of the different anti-fascist movements that have fought, sometimes successfully, often unsuccessfully, to stop the same things from happening in their own countries. The knowledge of this history is important, and it's maybe the only thing that can save us. So... If you're as concerned as I am, listen to Behind the Insurrections on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Rami Youssef is really friggin' funny. His semi-autobiographical Hulu series, Rami, is hilarious and very real. He'll be the first to admit he was shocked but very happy when he picked up a Golden Globe in January for his work. It's no wonder he's able to attract Oscar winners to the show. The second season has none other than Mahershala Ali as a guest star. I spoke to Yusuf from his home in Los Angeles. We talked religion, Brad Pitt, and where his mom keeps his Golden Globe. How are you doing? You know, making it happen. <laughs> We're finishing, finishing a show in quarantine is uh, as easy as it sounds. No, no how- complications <laughs> at all. So if you saw the setup I have, right? Podcast, it's books and stools and ring lights. It's another world. Where are you? I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, okay, cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm in Studio City. So how are you guys doing it? It's just everyone's remote and you're just looking at yep. footage and then sending it back with notes. and. Yep, just like wow. typing up a ton of notes. We're actually, I'm doing notes live in google docs so that like we're all just doing it like so they're not waiting for an email and like you know (laughs) like for it's like time's running and you know it's it's, and the network's like we've never gotten a show this late and i'm like yeah there's also never been a fucking pandemic so i mean there's like (laughs) i I think we can see why you know like i think there's a i think there's a correlation as to to what's going on but uh no we're i mean the i'm excited i mean like we're we're you know I'm excited for people to see it. I'm, I'm getting to the point in the process where I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's get this out there. Yeah. So I've seen it for, I've seen a few of the first for the second season. Okay. It's so great, man. It's oh, thank really, you. It's just, I was just talking to my producer about it before he got on the line. And I said, you know, you're so good at being uncomfortable. <laughs> but then like you, I, I I mean, I can't even give it justice to try to describe it, but then you just say like one little thing and I'm just belly laughing. Oh, thanks. You know? just, we hope to bring it to that line, you know? Yeah, and it, really, it really does. Just when like, you know, you're in some intense uh, talk and then all of a sudden you'll say one thing and I'm like, oh yeah, of course he would think that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about the second season how is it different than the first season yeah i think that um season one was very um i think it's very much like kind of showing our character asking like who am i and, and it kind of had this um this optimism this searching for that and i think season two is very much like oh, okay this is who i actually am like i think it's mm-hmm. it's 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 having to um you know, a lot of times there's this like soul searching or there's this journey. And then on the other end of it is, is kind of just some realities about where you're actually at. And, and that's um, really where we find our character, where um, he kind of plays back, you know, things that have happened. He kind of like looks at where he's at and he realizes that, you know, he, he needs a change. And, and he talks about faith in a certain way that's aspirational. But I think season two, um, he really tries to apply it. You know, this, mm-hmm. this relationship with the shape um really is is putting a, a tangible thing around this idea of trying to be a good person he's like in an ecosystem where okay there's like things that you can do to do that and then we kind of watch right. him complicate that so after you did the first season were people around you family and friends like you'd be at the dinner table they'd say something and what did it get to the point where they're like don't put that in the show 
Don't oh, put that in the second oh. season. <laughs> my my dad my dad censors his conversations with me like for years. He's like, no, 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 you're gonna put this in a stand up or whatever. And like he'll be in the middle of a story and then he'll be like, actually, I'm good. You know, and I'm like, come on, man. And he's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. You know, like like my dad, like I'm the press basically to my dad. He's just kind of like, there's, you know, he thinks everything's on the record. He just can't. <laughs> so, so where is, where does Rami, the real life person and Rami, the TV cap, where, where does it, where's the line? Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, um, the line to me has always been like, the Rami on, on TV is like my basest emotions is like me without a creative outlet. It's me without um, a family that communicates as much as mine actually does in real life. It's, it's me more stuck. So, mm. so I think like a, a lot of it, you know, is not um, event wise biographical, but emotionally there, it's a lot of things that I felt a lot of thoughts I've had and mainly a lot of questions I've had. And right. I think, you know, to me, something that was really important is just understanding, um, you know, we, we look at this character's intimacy issues, which which is something that um, is super real to me to just kind of like, you know, you want intimacy uh, spiritually, but you also, you know, want to understand where you're at with sexual intimacy, which is something that I think like are like, porn induced kind of like tindery generation <laughs> is like, not exactly sure, you know, where we, you know, what, what any of it means to right. us, you know, I mean, I think, I think it's like, there's, we are constantly, even if you want to take religion out of it, there's people who constantly just the battle against monogamy, like, is that mm -hmm. what we want? And then, or going in the other direction and then feeling empty or, or, or feeling like actually it is what I want and all those disagreements. And so right. I think like, um, you know, the core of, of some of those things that, that, um, this character is looking at is something that I just, I think is, is pretty wide generational for, for what I consider my generation, but, uh, you know, obviously through different lenses and we're viewing it here, like, in, you know, with an Arab Muslim guy. Right. So, um, <laughs> how much, <laughs> how much are people going to think you watch a lot of porn? <laughs> 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 this, this episode, I'm like, people are just going to think you watch a lot of porn. <laughs> hey man, you know, it, um, <laughs> You got to put it all out there. You know, and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, you know, you're. What I love about it is that you have these real conversations about it. Like you just said, like where does that play in you know a certain generation where you know that kind of sexualized life is just you know fingertips away on your your phone, on your watch, what yeah. have you, and then bringing it to within religion. It's just yeah. layers upon layers upon layers. Yeah. So and I think, tell I think, me you know, about. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was just gonna say. Yeah, I think, <laughs> think it, 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 it's it, for us. It was like, how do we introduce that without getting too heavy-handed about it? I mean, I think there's a lot of nuanced conversations you can have about porn. We don't have them fully yet in the show. I do mm -hmm. think it's something that Rami will have to deal with at some point. But um, like you said, that immediacy is very interesting to me because I think it. Um, you know, I think it. It's it's there's there's a lot of how we view things and do things now that I think is going to be kind of questioned like you know like when they used to be like can you believe like cocaine was in Coca Cola like like I think they're going to be like can you believe people used to watch an entire show in one day like there were no rules around technology like like we have no etiquette around technology and I think that porn is a, a huge you know, um, issue where there is no etiquette because it's just like so instant, but it, it, it bleeds into social interactions and social anxieties. It's something I think people are feeling with the pandemic now where they're like, man, I wish I hung out with people more when I could have hung out with people. Right. You know, like I, so, so I think like, um, you know, again, this isn't directly how we're talking about these things, but I, I think about them as I'm like crafting what I want to do with this character, because like, I, I want to feel like, you know, he, he's, he's kind of, you know, his, his, what, what is adding to his loneliness, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think these are all factors that, um, you know, you hear it often. It's like, we're so connected, but yet we're alone, you know? Right. Like, and, and I think it, it's because, you know, we really, um, we have all these powerful tools, but we really haven't figured out any sort of etiquette around them. So let's talk about also season two, you get a two time Oscar winner, not a one time Oscar winner, a two time Oscar winner, 
Mahershala Ali. Tell us who he plays, how it all happened. Yeah, he, um, you know, how it happened is, is really like amazing. You know, he, I got a call just saying from Hulu saying Mahershala Ali is a huge fan of the show and he wants to talk to you. Like, that's really what, it, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and then we talked for like two hours and we had just had this really amazing conversation about, you know, he was just reflecting on getting to see um, Muslim characters on screen and, mm. and what that meant to him. He told me this story about telling his agent that he wasn't sure when Ramadan was ending and then his agent cut him off and was like, oh yeah, yeah, because it depends on the moon and sometimes Saudis do it on one day and then other countries do it on another day. And, and, and his agent was like, yeah, yeah, I saw it on Rami. And, <laughs> and, and, and rehearsal was just kind of like, you know, he, he told me the story and he was just like, man, like I've struggled to explain that for like my whole like Hollywood existence. And the fact that someone cut me off because they knew because they watched Rami, uh, he, he was like, you know, that just, I just had to call you because of that. Like, so he was literally just calling me because of this thing. And then, yeah, it kind of turned into like, you know, I was like, dude, you know, he, he offered like kind of lightly, I think, just like, well, if you need me, let me know. <laughs> and then it, it turned into maybe like, really? He's like, yeah. And he, he hadn't shot anything since True Detective. He was kind of on a break. And so I, I said, you know, all right, what if we put you in one or two of them, maybe like two episodes or something? We just get you out for a week or something, you know, a couple of days. And then, it, you know, I'd always wanted to do this story with a shake. And, and I um, had had it trending to kind of happen towards the end of the second season and then going into the third. And then I, I just was like, man, we got Mahershali. Who knows when we're going to have this window? We have no idea. Let's just do it now. And we were a month into writing and we scrapped most of what we had going to kind of go to where I knew I had wanted to go. I just kind of skipped a step in the middle. Right. And I was so happy that, that we did because I think the season is much better for it. But also um, we got to just, yeah, we got to craft this like amazing relationship that I, I think um, really... Um, really yeah it may, i think it elevates what my character is going through and therefore the show and so yeah the, the super grateful to have <laughs> yeah i mean the conversations between the two between you between <laughs> the yeah. characters yeah um they're really they're they're soothing does that make sense like mm -hmm. first of all mahershali has that voice yeah, so, yeah like yeah. just you know yeah. you can read the phone book and you think he's yeah. really, you know, shakespeare <laughs> yeah but the conversations just really, like as you're looking at him, as you're looking at him, you could see your brain sort of trying to figure out what he's talking about. How does that fit into what you're thinking? And I felt I was doing the same. Mm. I was really sort of feeling like I was getting this, you know, sit down with this religious leader who just is all very wise. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. was there, was oh, there any, was there any ad libbing or, improv between you and Mahershala or was it really right to the script? My show um, is very like, I, I always want to make sure we get it as written, but I, I'm like the first to throw away something from the script. So like, like we'll, we'll we would do rehearsals before we, which is hard to do on a show like ours because we're cross shooting and we're, um, and, and this, it's like, you know, it's an, it's a schedule like scheduling wise, very rough, but we would like just huddle up like 30 minutes, 40 minutes before every scene. And I would make a lot of changes and I'd give him other things, um, just based on hearing it between the two of us. And that was definitely something that I think was new for him. And, and he like, after two days was like, yo man, I'm stressed, but I'm excited. Like he like <laughs> liked it, but he was like, this is different. It's different. You know, like, wow. cause I, he, he, I think part of him doing this show was like he wanted the challenge of doing a comedy and obviously we're a more grounded comedy so it's right. perfect for him um but it it um you know the nature of like how much like i think he was surprised how little i would care about stuff in the script because mm. i would be like ah fuck that and he's and like who fucking wrote that and it's like me but i'm like ah fuck that shit like let's go like let's like like this sounds better like let's dig into this right. and so i think that helped make the relationship feel so real because like we really i was really trying to like how do i play to his strengths right. you know and that's that's my favorite thing to do on my show actually is i like surrounding myself with actors and performers that i can play to their strengths because mm -hmm. you know my character is a character who asks questions and and that's like the nature of you know the, a lot of his drive 
And so I like having different versions of answers around him because it's like this interesting like interrogation. And so every character in the show kind of has this like point of view that like bounces off of, you know, off of Rami and, and to get to do that with someone like Mahershala, who's, who's playing a shape. Um, it, yeah, it felt, it felt really, it did feel soothing. On levels. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, yeah. From what I'm gathering, what you're talking about, your writing is, and I talk about this too, you know, when I'm writing stories, I'm not precious about my words. Like I love, I love being edited. I love an editor sitting me down and saying this sound. I'm like, I'm not going to pretend that I write something and it's the greatest thing. I like that feedback. And it sounds like you're the same way that you're, you're not finding your scripts is so precious. Like how dare you want to change my words? Yeah. I mean, nothing I wrote is, is the Quran. Uh, and then also I think I, I, I often think that present me is the best editor of past me. And right. so like, the, you know, time passes and you need to make sure that it feels fresh in your body. And a big part of that is stand up. Like I'm really used to changing things. I'm right. used to tweaking a joke until it hits the way that I want it to. And I'll tweak the same joke for weeks, months, a year. And so when I'm doing it on set, it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, just cause I wrote this three months ago. I mean, that's barely enough time to like, let it settle. Like, like we gotta, we gotta like keep shaping it till it feels right in our body, you know? And um, even if we only get one take where it feels right, that's enough because it's better than the four before it, you know? So you have Mahershala Ali, who else would you love to see on the show? <laughs> <laughs> you know, man, I, I love our cast so mm -hmm. much. Like I, I, like we, you know, I'm so lucky. I mean, so many of these roles were written for the people who are playing them. And so it, uh, in terms of, you know, pulling like a name someone might know, no one on the top of my head, just because it's like, I think what's amazing about the rehearsal of Cameo is that it, it feels like it's naturally part of the show. Like, it, yeah. you know, he doesn't feel like, like we went out and got, it's like, oh, right. this guy is a shape in the world. Um, it was funny though, because there was like someone sent me this interview of Brad Pitt, um, saying how much he loved the show uh and he was like on some red carpet thing and he like mentioned the show they're like what did you like this year and he said oh i love rami or whatever and they're like you got to get brad to be in it next and i was like i mean maybe we can figure something out i'm not gonna say no i mean the guy calls me and wants to do it but like that could feel like i'm reaching a little bit um but you know Maybe it'll be Sheikh Brad Pitt next year. Listen, he can work at the diner. <laughs> he can work at the diner. He can work at the diner. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Um, what does it feel like when you hear when you hear a Brad Pitt? I mean, obviously Mahershala. You know, people just raving about your show. Probably people you've been watching. You know, since you were a kid. Mm. Um, when you hear this, what what goes through your mind? I mean, I felt that way when I was at the, you know, when I went as at the Golden Globes and you're just like walking around with a bunch of people and you're like people that you're, you love their shows and you're holding a trophy. It's just like, it's just dumb <laughs> in the best way. I just feel like this is stupid. Like, I don't even, like, I feel very grateful. It's very exciting. It's very creatively fulfilling. And it's also just like kind of, well, fuck, man, what the fuck? This is wild. <laughs> it's just wild. You know I mean? It's, it's, I don't, it's not like, there's no part of me that's like, I shouldn't be here. I'm like, no, I should be here, but it doesn't mean it's not fucking wild. Like, it mean, like this isn't like just weird. Um, and, and it's. Uh, so take me back to the Golden Globes. You're sitting in that ballroom, that very packed ballroom, as you now yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and they say your name. Yeah. First thing, that, first thing that comes to your mind um you know it was weird because like the day of i was kind of asking you know my publicist i was like any buzz like what do you think like what's the move like what's happening here and she was like she's like i think it's between hater and you i think it's leaning hater and i was like i get it 100 percent." and then I don't know, man. It was, it got really weird too. Cause I walked in and then like, they put me in this really fucking corner seat where I was like, Oh, this is like a loser's seat. Like the seat I had was like, not only like a far table, but like they had me at the point of the table where like, in order to get out, other people would have to get up. Like that's where my name card was. And I was like, Oh, I'm just like, they just threw like this corner is not no, they would not put someone here who is supposed to walk up. Like it's just not possible. And so I'm sitting in this like back ass seat and then um, Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer, they come out to, to announce. And the second they stepped on the stage, my whole body was just like, I gotta figure out how to get out of this seat. Cause I'm gonna have to like, like I like just 
like something like I was like I'm gonna get out of this seat like and then and then I saw the moment I knew was just like I saw Jennifer Aniston like look at the card and there's this like if you watch the video there's like a second or two seconds where she's like and like the second I saw the way she looked at it I was like oh my god that's it's me and she doesn't know how to say my name like I could like like I, I could see it you know and 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 so my whole body like took over like I I was just like I knew like probably four seconds before everyone else knew but I was like okay I gotta get up there and then it was just total out of body dude like I was but it was like the stand-up comic in me came out like in terms of just like I had nothing prepared I was like let me just look at this crowd man you guys don't know me like all that stuff just came from a place of like I've done so much shitty comedy like in every fucking college cafeteria in like you know you gotta go drive seven hours to Albany to to tell jokes for 30 minutes for 800 bucks like I've done all of it like and and so I was just like that part of me came out where I was like all right here's a room let's make it work you know <laughs> and, and and so nothing was like prepared or anything it just kind of happened you know so you're on stage with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Addison hey. like yeah do you sit there and just be like what is my life right now you know I think I might feel that in like August like right now it's crazy because that happened and then the very next week i was back on set like doing a million things so like there's no break you know right. that happened with a month left in season two between season one and season two i had one week off and then we started re you know putting the room together and doing all that stuff and so like i haven't really stopped since the show started and i do have this feeling where i'm like okay if we release at the end of the may we'll probably have to do some stuff in june but i feel there's like this like i think like third week of july i'm gonna be like whoa i want a globe but like until then like i don't think i've i haven't like really felt it <laughs> it like, hasn't then, actually sunk in and where do you keep your golden globe mom's got it where does she keep it um she uh i don't know because <laughs> i dropped it at the house i think it's like i think there's like a little like acting shrine of like a bunch of stuff that i've done like movie like uh like newspaper uh and like little posters from show right. you know like so i think she has like a little corner of stuff nice. in, in what was my room which is now turned into like their den um so i think it's there awesome rami this is great hey this thanks man yeah thank you and um congrats on the second season thank you and be safe and be well you too really good to chat see ya bye bye That was Rami Youssef. And that's it for this week's episode of The Big Ticket. Starting next week, we're adding to the lineup. I'm going to be dropping two episodes every week for the next six weeks or so. So look for the next Big Ticket on Tuesday, June 16th, when my guest list includes Emmy winner Laverne Cox. Thanks for listening to The Big Ticket. See you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus